Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. For our listeners in Hilton Head and Charleston, South Carolina, we hope you will join Dimensions Dance Theater of Miami as they tour to your area on March 22nd through 24th. Celebrated for their diversity and strong cultural relationships, Dimensions Dance Theater of Miami will make their debut at the beautiful Arts Center of Coastal Carolina with a program of signature works. A bold, cutting-edge contemporary ballet company founded in 2016 by former Miami City Ballet principal dancers Jennifer Cronenberg and Carlos Guerra, DDTM has established itself with a dazzling repertoire and dynamic world-class dancers hailing from various Hispanic, North, and South American backgrounds. The company's tour to South Carolina will reach beyond the proscenium and into the community as they share some of their signature choreography with local youngsters on March 22nd and 23rd. On March 24th, audiences will be treated to a full evening performance, a mixed bill program that will feature Gerald Arpino's masterwork Light Rain, a main staple of Dimensions repertoire since the company first brought the full ballet to South Florida in 2017. For tickets, visit artshhi.org or click the link in the description of this episode. We wanted to share a quick update from friend of the pod, Tamisha Guy. Tamisha is thrilled to share with the COD audience that she is launching Empower Hour, which she talked with us about in episode 220. Empower Hour is a series of financial wellness workshops tailored towards equipping all artists and arts administrators with the financial prowess to lead a sustainable life beyond their careers. First up is Let's Talk Taxes with Nyla Antoine, a free virtual workshop sharing the tools for the participants to advocate for themselves as it pertains to tax literacy. As an educator, artist, and tax consultant, Nyla believes in the totality of artists, and she engages in her tax consulting work as a form of social justice. Tamisha believes that financial wellness can be tremendously impactful on the further development and longevity of artists in our field, and she wants to be a part of that change. Join in on this free virtual workshop March 26th from 1 to 2.30 p.m. Sign up for the workshop by clicking the link in the description of this episode. More information is also available on Tamisha's Instagram at Tamisha Guy. Welcome to Conversations on Dance. Before we get started, be sure to subscribe to the podcast through your favorite app to be automatically notified of new episodes when they go live. While you are there, please take a moment to leave us a review. Leaving a review 
takes just a second and goes a long way in helping us grow the podcast and supports us in this endeavor. We appreciate you joining us today. Now let's get to the episode. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. On today's episode of Conversations on Dance, we are joined by Gregory McComa, founder of Vuyani Dance Theater. Gregory tells us about how he first came to discover and fall in love with dance in South Africa, his artistic journey from performer to choreographer and creator, and his latest work, Sion, Requiem of Ravel's Bolero, which is currently on tour and will take the stage at Performing Arts Houston on Friday, April 21st at 7.30 p.m. Visit performingartshouston.org to purchase tickets or click the link in the description of this episode. Uh, well, Gregory, thank you so much for joining us today. There's, we know there's a big time difference, but we made it work. And we're so excited <laughs> yeah. to talk to you about your life and career. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So let's just dive in from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about how you got interested in the arts. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, growing up in South Africa, particularly in the township of Soweto, you're always surrounded by by the arts, by music, by people dancing, by theater. You know, I, I say, you know, it's as if um, Shakespeare was living in our time when he was writing his tragedies, because every time you come across, you go into a roller coaster of emotions growing mm-hmm. up in a township. You know, at one moment you are happy, at another moment you're seeing something that's incredibly sad. So all of those things really uh, made me or influence how I think about dance and how I want to make work. You know, it's a it's a roller coaster of emotions that I, I, I always want to take the audience to. So I got into dance literally just by observing. Mm. I I grew up quite close to a hostel, which housed many uh, migrant workers who were coming from different parts of Southern Africa. And they brought their cultures and traditions with them. And so over mm. the weekends, they will dance they will com- compete amongst themselves in in the most intricate dance moves I've ever seen in my life so I, mm-hmm. I, I was intrigued you know, by, by their by their performances and commitment to what they were doing and then at home I came up we we had a small television screen and um I think I was nine or ten years old Michael Jackson appeared. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was just moved by just the sheer beauty of what he was able to do mm-hmm. and share with audiences and moving audiences um, in in such a, a remarkable way. So, uh, and I thought this is what I want to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, there's something that I feel it's part of me when I dance or when I observe dance. So I, I wanted to do that. Right. So that's how I got into it. So you were you're saying you were, you were an observer at this point, but when when did you start to kind of mimic these things you were watching, or was that right away too? You were already putting it on your own body. Well, it's pretty much you know right away because you will see something and you'll feel something, and then immediately it will kind of like transform into a a, a rebirth of that what you were observing. So you'll find mm-hmm. transitional ways in which you could merge all of these things. Right. So, I mean, I, 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 I call my work a cocktail because it's such a fusion of all these different cultures, tradition, influences 
um, you know, it's a it's a cocktail that leaves you sober but takes you on the roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> um, and 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 it was in nineteen um, nineteen ninety nineteen ninety when I saw a. Um, a school called Moving Into Dance was um, calling for auditions for young people to be trained in dance. And and I went and I took my chance and mm-hmm. I was accepted to the company. Um, first year of training and then the second year I was asked to join to join in the food time company. Right. So, Before... so that was the tra- beginning of the of the of of my life as a dancer. Right. Right. Before this, did you have any formal training or was that kind of the start of like, we're in a studio, we're training, we're doing, you know, or was it just, um, you know, like you were saying, the observing and then putting it on your body before that? Sure. It was all in the street. You know, we would come together <laughs> as friends um, and we would share. It was a very much a shared environment of what steps can I contribute in order to make a routine? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of us were kind of like involved in in the making of what we call choreography today, because we didn't know that word didn't exist to us. Right. You know, <laughs> we were making, we were putting steps together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never been to a a dance studio before, mm. um, before I went for that audition. So it, it was quite daunting for me mm-hmm. to walk into an audition where for the first time I was in a space where everyone of color was fighting for, the same sport. Right. Um, so it was an equal environment where, I mean, we grew up literally in the township because apartheid government, what it did and what it was able to achieve or to segregate people was to divide and rule. Right. Um, so we were very much divided. We were staying as black people in the township. And then on 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 the other side of town, it was white people. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and an Indian community, and there's a colored community, so we're all very much separated. Huh. Right. Just going back to when you're talking about not knowing what choreography kind of was, you were just like making up things. I wonder, maybe this, there isn't a question here, but I'm just thinking about the creativity involved in that because, of course, for us as trained um, classical ballet dancers, we have this vocabulary that we start with, and then when we try to create something, I mean, I was never good at it, <laughs> but I would try to like, go within that vocabulary, and so I wonder just what kind of creativity is involved to come up with something just like completely natural and, and without any restrictions? Sure. I mean, we had references and I think Mm -hmm. that those helped, you know, the pop culture of, of the eighties and the nineties helped us to kind of like lean into something, the traditional forms that were happening within our backyard within, in, 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 in the, in the, um, in the hostels that in kind of informed Mm -hmm. hence you know, the, the the cocktail was then kind of like desired because mm-hmm. of all these influences who, right. who, which we were picking up. So that, that was the creativity, but also we had something that was kind of like, um, kind of like um, separated the kind of work that I do from the rest is that sense of um, not being able to, once the work is done and the, the the choreography is done, you can't separate one movement from the other. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't identify this comes from that. Hence, it's, yeah. you know, it's like when you're making a salad, when you're making a cocktail, uh-huh. you 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 lose the you lose the identities of each and every you know ingredient. Right. So they, what emerges is something new, mm-hmm. completely right. new. 
Right. So I'm wondering, um, you know, you joined Moving Into Dance um, to train and then became a, a company member. But at what point did you start to sort of take on more leadership roles? Like how at what point were you, were you making your own creations the same way you had with your friends before things became a little bit more formal? Yeah, I mean, uh, early on, early on in my in my career as a, as a dancer, I I remember my first creation was on to young company members who were like the youth who were training. And mm -hmm. I created a trio, which we put in, we, um, it went into a festival called the Dance Umbrella Den. And um, it won the uh, peak of the Stepping Stones Award. Hmm. Um, and in the, the following year, I did another trio with the same group of people. And it also it it won the peak of the French award, so I was like, mm. "Oh, this is this is interesting," you know. <laughs> maybe I'm good at this. <laughs> this, this. Yeah, maybe I'm good at this. You know, this, <laughs> all this acknowledgement of of already winning um, awards early on in my career, mm. um, it kind of like you know gave me confidence in mm -hmm. a way to kind of like sure. continue to build, continue to make. Uh, but something was really missing. Uh, there was something that was about how does this work become a, a respond to what I was accustomed to, to what I was um, living with, you know, the poverty, the, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the, the apartheid regime, the, mm -hmm. The, the, the ramifications of that. Um, how do I respond to all of that through my work? So in a sense, you know, I kind of like took a, a, a political kind of um, respond to, to the work and say, I, I can't just make work that is celebrating the euphoria of the movement. Mm -hmm. I want to make work that creates meaning, right. that questions, you know, um, that creates a discourse. Right. Mm -hmm. That's this is definitely something I wanted to get into because the work you create now is so epic. And like you've already mentioned, you know, the roller coaster of emotions that art can take you through. That's obviously something that's really important to you as a creator. And maybe we could talk a little bit more about that transition for you is to step how you stepped away from creating something that is just joy of movement. And then what's those early days of kind of um i guess politicizing your work or responding mm -hmm. to to what your everyday world was like how was yeah. that shift for you sure i mean i think you know with every event that's happening in in our country in the world you kind of sit back and 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 just yeah ask ask questions mm -hmm. ask questions i mean the, the biggest question for me was what purpose is this dance serving? Mm -hmm. um, and and every time I I step on stage, what do, what is it that I want an audience to take away? Mm. And what is it that I want the audience to think about? Um, how can I change perceptions? How can I change um, or take people out of their own comfort zones through movement, through dance, by creating a mirror? Um, for society to really look at itself, um, for us not to get into a space where we're only enjoying the, the beauty of movement, mm -hmm. mm. 
But um, and I also want people to enjoy the beauty of movement, but I also want them to enjoy it with 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 questions running in their heads, mm-hmm. um, with with um, yeah to to come out for them to create a discourse, to be able to communicate, to really to talk about it, and and that's what I want, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's to sit back and think and pause for a moment to let's just just think about our actions. Mm-hmm. Right. I feel like as a choreographer, um, one might be tempted to kind of make these easily digestible pieces that movement for the sake of movement that makes the audience just sit back and smile. Um, And so I especially when you're starting out, that can be something that you just want to make sure that it's a success. Were you ever Mm. worried at one point that, oh, if I do have this more serious um, political narrative throughout my work, that maybe that could put my work in jeopardy of, you know, getting more things coming down the pipeline or was it just really recepted right away, taken in by the audiences? Yeah. I mean, you're asking a very good question because um, even today, you know, <laughs> there, are, there are places in the world that um, the minute you put a work that makes them uncomfortable, mm-hmm. they, they really find a way in which they could they could push it away in a sense mm. or 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 find other ways in which they can create their own understanding of it that is not uh impinging on their own idea of what the world should be or mm. should look like mm-hmm. um also coming from the continent there's always um a perception and a an, an expectation that a work that comes from the continent of Africa has to have a particular um, um, narrative in a way. Um, the narrative that you see on CNN and, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these other channels when we're speaking about this continent. Right. And for me, I, I want to create, it's, it's, it's with all of those, I say there's also hope. Right. There's also, um, there's also beauty in the colors. There's also beauty in, in, in rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also beauty in in those sacred things that we don't normally talk about it, but we find ways in which we can bring them up to the open for a, to the public domain. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I, I want to create work that speaks not just about um, you know at the place that I come from. Mm-hmm. I want work to, that will speak about um, the world that I that I come from. Right. I just want to expand on that for a second, and we're going to dive into some of your um, more recent work. But I wonder when you take your works on tour, like you will be to Performing Arts Houston here in the United States, how is that different for you? Why is that important for you to bring these narratives from your continent to somewhere like the United States and for audiences Mm. that might be seeing, like you're saying, certain narratives on CNN, for example? Sure. I mean, our histories are are parallel. Mm. You know, Um, we, we all have, have have suffered some kind of of prejudice. We've suffered, you know, uh, some kind of, um, yeah, we've 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 gone through all of this. We continue to go through all of this. You know, these things they never end. It's almost like it's a cycle mm-hmm. that continues to repeat itself in different formats and and, and ways. Mm-hmm. So I I need to amplify the message. I need to continue to say this is wrong. See yourselves. You know, uh, let's right. let's pause. Let's talk about this. Uh, and we have to continue to do that for as long as these things continue to happen. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and the movements that are, are emerging now, you know, Black Lives Matter, all those kind of movements, they 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 can only be left into a space where uh, they become stagnant in a sense mm-hmm. if we don't take them forward, if we don't move them in a way that we can in, inject a sense of feeling, we can inject a sense of agency. Right. True movement, true music, that these things matter. Mm-hmm. You, you speak so passionately about this and, and the way that your art is a way for you to, I guess, Im- impress your, I don't know, not worldview, but, you know, bring something important, deliver something important to your audiences. But at one point, I, I read that you almost stepped away from chore- choreographing entirely, that you considered moving away from dance. So I think yeah. I, I want to, I would be curious to know what inspired that initial thought and then how has the decision to come back impacted your work from then on i mean i imagine like stepping away and coming back you know that has to bring a like a a, a new gravity to your approach mm, yeah uh oh god i mean it was a tough time for me you know i was i was literally in a place where um my parents desire for me to be a medical doctor, I, I could see the pain that was going in, you know, in, in just in how they looked at me, how they mm-hmm. spoke to me, that there, this, there was a huge disappointment in a sense. Um, and also, I mean, I, you know, at, at a very young age, I picked up an injury and I went through um, an operation and the doctor told me that you will not dance uh, mm-hmm. for long so you might as well think about something else Mm. um and it is me stepping away that made me realize just how much i wanted to dance Mm -hmm. just how much it gave me permission Mm. to speak about the things that i couldn't describe in words but i could easily put into the body and allow the body to to speak to speak, yeah. to speak in many ways, to speak in, in in ways that words can't really describe it. So, so it was that moment that I felt this is really what I want. So, um, I, I I want to follow my dream. I want to follow, um, you know, yeah, my desire to my desire is to dance. It's it's what I know. And I could have been a medical doctor, you know, mm-hmm. if my parents were well, were wealthy enough to take me to <laughs> to a university, but they were not. And um, you know, when they couldn't raise enough money to take me to a school, I said, "Let me stay for one year in dance, mm-hmm. and yeah. the rest is history." Well, <laughs> I think everyone who's a dancer can kind of identify with that. There being a moment of uncertainty if this is what you want to do and then stepping away and then feeling, oh, yes, this is absolutely my passion. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. 
Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And, and so I wonder then if when your passion kind of became interested in going in the leadership direction, when you thought maybe that might be a way you want to be a mm. part of the art form. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was studying at Parts, performing arts research and training studios in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And it was an opportunity for me to be able to see um, South Africa from the outside, to see the continent from the outside, and to really, really reflect um, in terms of, yeah, what is it that I want to do? You know, uh, And also, I come from a history of a country that... Um, everything else for a success of a black person has been made possible by the presence of someone who is wealthy, who happens to be white. Mm-hmm. And um, the school that I went to was started by Sylvia Glasser. She's a white Jewish woman and, and bless, bless her soul. I mean, she, she, she did an incredible thing of, of, of breaking political barriers mm-hmm. in a country to create a company that was multiracial when it was not fashionable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it was born from a a a a, a privileged point, a mm-hmm. privileged space. Right. And I wanted to look at South Africa and say to myself, let me create a space for us as black artists to know that we have a home and a place where we can play without us having to conform to anyone's idea of what dance should be or could be. Mm-hmm. Let it be a space where we can completely dream mm-hmm. and a space where we can be able to fail and then be able to pick ourselves up where it's not about the great idea. It's a space where it is about the less good idea. Mm-hmm. So so, so for me, I, that gave me, again, permission, mm-hmm. permission to just play, permission to investigate and to bring along other people. I, I'm a big collaborator. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love collaborating with dancers, with musicians, with, um, with you know, um, artists, with other visual artists, filmmakers. I, I, I collaborate all the time. So that space, Vuyani Dance Theatre was created with that, with that idea of creating a space where Black artists can 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 find something that is far more profound about themselves. Right. Can we talk a little bit about the collaborative spirit? I mean, looking at um, Sion Requiem of Ravel's Bolero, it it just looks so epic, and there's so many. Um, you know, the way that you're you're interweaving Ravel's iconic Bolero with these you know gorgeous acapella voices, but. Um, you know, how much of this is collaborative? Like, do you have a sort of overview of what you want the work to be like and you invite people on or like how much back and forth is going on between the different, um, you know, arts disciplines that are involved? Because it is very involved, dancers, singers, musicians, you know. Um, Just tell us a little bit about that process. Sure. I mean, yeah, the process for for Sion was very much similar to how I will usually approach um, a new work. So, I mean, 
I'm the visionary, you know, mm-hmm. and the work stays is very much in my head for the longest of time. So part of the most research is done in isolation, in, in it's just me in my space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look like who, who are the people that are interesting for me to work with in, mm-hmm. in this project? Um, and then I start identifying people that I feel already I've got a curiosity in terms of their work, what they are doing, their sound, their lights. And there's a curiosity for me to want to invite them into the space. Then what I do is just to plant the seed. And I say, this is, this is, this is what I would like to do. But I would like you to go away and see how you can respond to that. Mm-hmm. So everyone will take time to go away, to find ways in which they can be inspired by the idea and then come back. You know, sometimes it's a year later that we come back and say, oh, by the way, that idea, this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, my processes are much longer. Mm-hmm. Um even after the premiere of the piece, because we have to premiere at some point. (laughs) (laughs) I always say that's the first take. We have to think about the second take and the third take Mm -hmm. and the fourth take and so forth. Mm -hmm. So every time we come back into working with the work, it it gets refined. It gets, it it matures. Right. In a way. So, so, so my collaborators have absolute freedom to, to go away and dream. Um, and then they will come back and we, we, we take whatever feels right for the work. And I always say this to my collaborators, it's not about our egos. Mm. It's the biggest ego we're going to serve in, this, in, 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 in the work is the work itself. Mm. I like that. I, I want to dive into a little bit about these different takes that you're talking about um, and how your work can evolve. This piece did premiere before the pandemic. Is that right? That's correct. And so then there was a period of time maybe to sit and reflect. Lots of things change. It's something that we talk about all the time for pieces that were either in process during that time or like you're saying, yours was already premiered. So how did the different takes and the evolution of this work compared to maybe another piece that you've worked on that wouldn't have had that big space of time in the middle to think, reflect, um, lots was happening in the world. Sure. Yeah. I mean, more and more as even before the pandemic, there, there's been, you know, senseless killings of, mm-hmm. you know, people through war uh, in the Congo that the war has continued to go on. Um, there was war in Iraq that continue to just, you know, mm-hmm. go on. There were people trying to migrate, moving on, and then drowning in seas. So <laughs> there was a huge thing of we moving towards darkness. Mm-hmm. And I felt very strongly that we need, we need a lament. Mm-hmm. We need a moment where we can take on this procession. Just to take things much more slower, Maybe we're moving too fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's take things a little bit slower and just create this lament, create this moment of um, questioning death mm-hmm. and asking us ourselves, why must why must death be a reflection of the weakness of others over the other? Right. Do you think that the work has 
been received any differently because of the pandemic pandemic when we all are are were absolutely not that those things were not happening of course those things were happening before but i feel like every single person on in the the world, world. had to sit and <laughs> and contemplate those things so yeah you think that audiences feel it even on an even deeper level level now uh, I, I think so you know um we all experience death i mean uh, even without without the, the the dying of the body mm-hmm. we've experienced so many things there's so many losses we've experienced right. you know people lost works people lost even their own careers mm-hmm. um so and even some people lost the purpose to live mm-hmm. so all of that for me all of that need we need to to come into a space where we can pray together and 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 this piece is is a congregation. We come together with an audience, and I, w- I want an audience to have a moment of saying, "Let's pray together," because mm-hmm. we've all all of us have experienced death in in a different way. Mm-hmm. We all have suffered, um, and the pandemic has taught us that we need each other far more than anything else. We need each other far more than the internet. We need each other far more, you know, the physicality, the physical touch, mm-hmm. the being together in the space. We felt how that could be like if we were separated, right. you know, in closed doors. In if we were just being our, with ourselves, we will lose so much more. Right. So we need each other. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about why you felt like um, Bolero was the right thing to take your audience through that arc of grief to, I guess, relief or um, not redemption, but you know that how why did, why was that piece of music speaking to you for this work? Sure, yeah. Every time I listened to that piece of music, somehow it 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 took me into. Um, a space where I will always think of my grandmother, who I grew up close to, you know, um, her telling stories of my great-great-grandfather who died mm-hmm. as a lonely person in Robin Island because that's where he was imprisoned in 1883. Mm-hmm. I think about the story of, of my father who, who locked the house and because he was, he was dying. He locked the house, didn't want anybody else to see him going through that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, so many people that uh, uh, every time I, I hear it, it takes me on to that. Um, and I felt it was creating so much healing for me. I could mm-hmm. process listening mm-hmm. to the bolero. It's the repetition of something. Right. Yeah. And it's a repetition of something that is not only staying taking it, it, it evolves in repetition mm-hmm. you know it gets to a crescendo it gets to a point where you're like oh, you're sad right you know you're able right. to breathe so tell us about the about the particular orchestration right because it's not just bolero right it's in it has parts of it within the music is that correct tell us a little bit about that because i i did see some comments online of people being like i want this music i want to be able to listen to it i don't know if that's available if it is (laughs) you can totally push it right now (laughs) yeah i mean i I worked with my collaborator who is an amazing um you know um, artist Mm-hmm. He 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 writes beautifully in, in, in and he writes in a way that 
um, if the minute you translate what he's written in 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 the language into English, it it loses the meaning completely. Mm. And I always say that to him that you you always disguise your true intention in words, so so that um, people who are speaking English can never get what you the real thing that you're saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and we we we'll laugh about that, but mm. you know he he he. I, I said to him, this is a piece of music I would like you to, to take and reimagine this in our own languages. Mm. Bear in mind, the bolero is only like 15 minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have an hour, 10 minutes to mm-hmm. film <laughs> with music. So, <laughs> so we had to create like ways in which sometimes we will take literally just one layer of a rhythm of the bolero. Sometimes it's just a snare drum. Mm-hmm. And sometimes is is the melody that will be the section based mm-hmm. on the melody. So we really had to dissect the entire um, score of Bolero and then recreate right. in a way that um, it yeah that it could speak and help us tell the story better. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. So this work will be seen in April at Performing Arts Houston. I- I'm wondering what uh whether this was um the, the choice to take Sion on tour was what presenters were wanting or you felt personally you know felt strongly that you wanted audiences abroad to see this particular work how does that um decision come about sure i mean the world needs it <laughs> <laughs> you know um yeah i mean i presented it to presenters and the they took it on, um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's even more now. In it's getting the t- demand now, even you know post COVID, mm-hmm. right. in a way, because we all going through that. We want to, we want healing, and we find mm-hmm. healing in different in different ways. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, yeah, it was my my when I make work, I make work for for the world to see. Mm. It's 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 not work that is only designed for a particular place or a particular time. Right. Um, I, I really create work that I want it to be one timeless because death is, mm-hmm. and then and then secondly, I I do want it to be experienced by by everyone. Yeah. Well, the team at Performing Arts Houston has been telling us about this work for a long time now. And so we know they're very excited. We're very excited for everyone in the Houston area to enjoy this piece and really take it in. And and we really appreciate you sharing with us about your work. And we hope you wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. And we can't wait to be there. Yay. Thanks, thanks, Gregory. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.